The Talking Points podcast is produced in partnership with C. Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org. Hi, Mike Gibson and Roxana Marin coming to you virtually from ESC 2020. Roxana, this was a great meeting. I think for interventional cardiologists, several things of real import came out. One was the change to the guidelines and one was popular TAVI. Let's start with the guidelines. What did you think of all those fairly bold changes? First of all, I think, um, let me just say, is this the most amazing ESC literally connecting the world? Yeah, a world connection, honestly, a world connection. 112 registrants, just amazing. It's incredible. And, uh, and then what they do so beautifully is they bring up their work. And the guidelines, which is usually led by European physicians, are really, really important, the ESC guidelines. And um, the one that really caught my attention, obviously, was the, was the non-STEMI ESC guidelines, led by Holger Thiel uh, and uh, Collet, both uh, incredible uh, physicians, scientists, uh, trialists have done such great work and want to congratulate them because this is, not, this is not easy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of heavy lifting, putting all of that uh, evidence together. Um, I was uh, very, very um, impressed by the uh, uh, diagrams, uh, which are really important because people don't read texts these days. We all have attention deficit disorder. And having algorithms and beautiful, beautiful uh, figures that will really um, uh, summarize what the evidence is makes it makes a great deal of sense to me. And they've done a beautiful job. I, I was uh, very, uh, you know, happy to see the early, um, early invasive management of the patients. I saw the the big change was the pretreatment. Uh, every time I see a class three, I go, oh my. Um, and uh, class three recommendation usually in the United States means you use it and someone gets hurt, you're, you, could be, you could be legally responsible. And so uh, on that pretreatment, and the evidence is for it, a lot of it uh, out of the ACOST trial, really the only one that very well in a good way evaluated this that didn't show any benefit of pretreatment if you're going early to angiography. The problem is that in the real world, Many patients wait more than 24 hours, and I think it's really important that even though they have an out for the very high-risk patients, there are some low-risk patients that will be waiting to go to the cath lab and not, um, not as uh, fast as everybody else, and I would have liked to have seen that, um, a little bit of a 2B recommendation or something like that. On the other hand, um, I was uh, really, really... Uh, uh, intrigued and, and happy to see that there was a 2A recommendation on the twilight strategy, if you will, uh, which yes. you, you helped me design. Um, Congratulations to you. And, uh, and, and I think it was a very good study and did show a way for people to think about ticagrelor hormonal therapy when you pass the stress test after three months of tolerating it and being adherent to it. On the other hand, uh, when I saw the 2A recommendation of Prasagrel over uh, ticagrelor, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I think the ISAW-REACT-5 is a very, very important study. Um, uh, well done. 
but it does have limitations. And the number of non-STEMI patients was only about 2,000 of those patients. So again, uh, it made me um, a little bit sort of baffled that uh, a single study with a, uh, with a subgroup of a single study can make it to a 2A recommendation for obviously that trial did show superiority of prasugrel over ticagrelor, but we know about the open label uh, design and the fact that about 20% of the patients actually didn't get the assigned therapy at the time of discharge, et cetera. And those kinds of really important limitations, but you know, it's a very cheap drug and I wish, and I hope that it's as good as ticagrelor, if not better because it's cheaper and you can use it. Uh, so, but I thought it was a strong recommendation, but again, I wanna congratulate everybody for their incredible work. What a, what a huge, huge heavy lift. I agree with Roxana. I think, you know, we live in a world of infographics now. The infographics are great, will help educate people. I too thought there could have been a little more granularity and subtlety about the class three recommendation because as you say, we all know there are those patients who wait over the weekend uh, for a Monday morning cath. And I think they might be better served by an upstream therapy. Uh, remember from the Credo trial, after 16 hours in a post hoc, not predefined analysis with all those limitations, pretreatment did start to show some benefit. So maybe a little more subtle uh, than what the guidelines said. Uh, obviously, you have to evaluate every patient individually and look at the benefits and risk. And I'm a little biased intellectually, having led uh, the Prasugrel trial, the pivotal trial. Uh, so I also worked on the Plato trial, reading all the angiograms, so I'm equally conflicted. But uh, I thought it was an awful strong recommendation for the amount of data that's out there as you did. And I think I don't need to review all the limitations uh, of the study, but I think uh, the consensus among trialists at least seems to be that the level of recommendation exceeded the level of the data. Uh, so uh, I think people look at the information, make their own decisions, great to have another option. What about popular TAVI? Yeah, so just to go back, but this uh, actually opens doors and these are trials that open doors and guidelines often open doors. So I think that recommendation uh, on Prasugrel open doors of a, of a really large trial <clears throat> of um, Prasugrel versus Ticagrelor. And uh, I know that that's in the works. Uh, and then of course, uh, coming now to Populatavi, which I think is a very important study. And it, that is also a big heavy lift because it's very, very hard to convince our uh, 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 interventionalists to use a certain antiplatelet regimen when they are so sold to it, especially in TAVR patients who are frail, high risk, and uh, obviously there is this question of valve thrombosis or subclinical thrombosis, et cetera. And to dare to drop one of them and go to a single antiplatelet therapy has you know, a, a balance, if you will. And I think these investigators did a beautiful job in this, in this uh, uh, study. Uh, I think what they showed is that, uh, is also fascinating that less is more, once again, especially in these elderly frail patients with aortic stenosis undergoing TAVR. I think what we don't know, and I think that's why it's another trial that opens the door uh, because of the small numbers of patients and a very important observation and important um, 
understanding that all you're doing is increasing bleeding without any protection of ischemic events. And I think um, very importantly, uh, what they've done is allowed us to imagine that we must, must enter into understanding what's the optimal anticoagulation and antithrombotic regimen in this patient population as the number of TAVRs are increasing and uh, SAVRs decreasing. And this could have an implication on valve durability, valve function down the line. And I think we need to really get our arms around this. And I think you know that the valve collaboratory in, in uh, working with ACC, STS, um, are, and we are working very, very closely uh, in, in designing a study and hopefully working with the NHLBI on this. Yeah, that's very, very important. I, I mean, I think this is a great start, right, Roxana? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A <laughs> uh, little small uh, for my taste. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's easy, and you, you and I know this all too easy. We led trials that showed less bleeding, um, but does mm -hmm. it taste better? You know, is there yeah. no, no hazard in terms of ischemia? That's always the overhanging issue. And it really takes larger studies uh, than it does for safety. Uh, yeah. No harm uh, in terms of ischemic endpoints. So, hopefully, with uh, the efforts that you're talking about and leading, we can get larger studies to really have a better handle on the true ischemic risk and, and later risk too. This is, you know, this this is a, a long course, not just a, a few months uh, that we've got to look at. Well, Roxana, thanks for joining us this morning. <clears throat> Thank and you, Mike. It's always great to to be on with you. Thank you for having me on the. ESC wrap up.